King of glory showed his great love and obedience to the Father. Let's sing of it. Recognize how deep, how great is the Father's love. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all. As we reflect further upon that uh, fateful time where the crucifixion of Christ occurred because of our sins, I want us to focus on three elements of that praetorium experience where Christ had gathered together with the Roman soldiers, with Pilate, with the governors of the time. 
And each of these items that we want to look at tonight helps to set up our time of communion, but it also gives us a reflection of where God might want to take us as well. As we looked at the text that we had read earlier, that Eric read in Matthew 27, we again read these words. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him, And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. Those three elements add color to the experience that Christ is going to, add flavor, doctrinal, theological, biblical insights to the things that God is up to at this time. They took those three elements and then said this and did this. And they knelt down before him and they mocked him. They were saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. And they took the reed and they began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off of him, put on his own garments, and then they led him away to be crucified. Those three elements add some dimension to what I think God is up to. We find things that stirs in our hearts that God would want us to know. For example, they took a robe that was a robe probably off one of these Roman soldiers. It was the kind of robe that they would wear. They would wrap around their their shoulders, as you see on the image behind me. And that robe would be symbolic of the royalty that they were mocking Christ over. And as we look at each of these elements, keep in mind, they were doing right things with evil motivation. They were honoring the king of kings. They were honoring the king of the Jews with royalty, with a reed, with a crown. But all of these experiences were simply a mockery of who he is. And one of the subtle underlines that I want to bring us back to is this, that it's very easy for us to go through the motions, to have all the elements to externally look as though things are right. But in some ways, we can simply be mocking Christ because inside the motivation, our hearts, are not any more sincere than those who had gathered around Jesus. And in that mocking, they took that robe. Some of the Gospels describe it as purple. Some of the Gospels describe it as scarlet. There was confusion as to what that color really looks like from those days till today. It has this crimson flavor to it, much like you might see on the robe that is up here or you see on the Roman soldiers. And one of the things about that robe is the color. You go all the way back to Exodus where God had designed a tabernacle to be constructed, whereas you heard in the reading that the veil that was in the Holy of Holies that was torn apart was described in this way. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen and it shall be made with the cherubim the work of a skillful workman. This veil was to protect the holy of holies. And when you see this crimson color on Jesus, for those who are literate of the Old Testament writings and how God had designed that color to be symbol of a protectiveness of his holiness, you begin to see a little bit of the flavor of what God is saying. He is my holy son 
and there's a symbolism that stirs in your mind when you realize that that color has value. Not only that, but it takes us into the future. When Jesus comes back in a second coming, and he will come back, as much as the prophecies were fulfilled of his first coming, they are assurance to us that there are second coming prophecies that will be fulfilled as well. He will come down from heaven on a white horse. He will have once again a robe, and it says this, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, a crimson color robe, and his name is called the Word of God. A little bit later in Revelation 19, as Jesus comes to earth on that second coming, it actually says that on that robe and on his thigh, it is written, King of kings, Lord of lords. And so even as the soldiers mocked Christ, in some way they give us a little foretaste that yes, he will come with a robe that is crimson. And he will have a sign that is king of kings, king of the Jews. But when he comes back the second time, he will come in judgment. He won't come as a lamb, he will come as a lion. He will come to conclude this world of sin. And so as those Roman soldiers use their judicial authority to mock him, Christ will come back with justice, with a robe that is rightfully his, that displays his authority, that he truly is the king. Not only did they mock him with the robe, but they mocked him with the reed. And the reed would have been something like this that they would have been able to obtain from the Jordan River. It's much like a bamboo stick. And they took that reed and they pounded him on the head. And so the suffering was early on. It wasn't just on the cross. And that reed was supposedly to be a scepter. The kings in those days would use the scepter as a sign of authority. In fact, in Esther chapter 5, we see Esther coming up to the king, and he would extend that scepter that would say, Esther, you're acceptable to come into my presence. A Jewish woman coming to this Persian king, you're acceptable. The scepter that God will have in his hand is the kind of scepter that says, I want you to be accepted into my presence. And they use that scepter to mock his authority as king. And then finally, they took the crown, they wove together a bunch of thorns, and they created this kind of an image on his head, and they placed this crown on his head to somehow mock him as truly being king. Now, it's interesting, they took that crown of thorns, and, and again, the way God interweaves the storyline of all that has happened in the history of the world. We go all the way back to Genesis. Where did the thorns come from? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then to Adam, after Adam and Eve had sinned and violated the holiness of God, God cursed the world and said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, You've disobeyed by eating from the fruit of the tree, which I command you to, to not eat. He said, cursed is the ground because of that you will toil and you will eat of it in all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you and you will eat of the plants of the field. It strikes me as a bit ironic that the very sin of Adam that created these thorns are the very thin, I should say, the sin and the thorns 
that are now placed upon the head of Christ. And as we read in Isaiah, the literal sense of our sin being placed upon him is symbolized in this crown of thorns. As Isaiah said, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The crown laid on the head of Christ is that symbol of the sins that created the thorns that we have laid on Christ as well. And as Christ gives us these lessons and he points us in the direction of Christ who is truly the King, he came to this world the first time that, as I said, that he could bring forgiveness and healing, but also know that he will come back a second time where the mockery of the robe, the title of king, will be on full display for those who are willing to watch and to listen. And at that time, there is no second chance. So my invitation is this. If any of us are going through this holiday season we call Easter, and we love to go to the services on Sunday, we love to dress the way we want to dress because it's a festive and colorful time, those are all good things. But my plea is that none of us would be found with the heart of those Roman soldiers who did indeed right things, a robe, a crown, a scepter for a king, naturally. But what they did it for was a motivation of mockery. It was fraudulent. It was insincere. It did not honor Christ. My invitation is to take whatever, whatever selfish motivation is in my heart, perhaps in your heart, and put that on Jesus. Say, Jesus, I pray that there is no mockery in me, but in the sincerity of my heart, I come before you. And I ask for your forgiveness. I plead for your cleansing. That crimson blood that was shed upon that cross that is my means of redemption and healing before you. To mend together the relationship with the holy God because I was the one who created those thorns in my sinfulness and that I have the privilege to take it all and put it on Jesus and let Jesus remove it from my life. That's my invitation to you. Let me pray and offer an opportunity for each of us to bring before Christ those things that fall short of truly honoring his name. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that we can pause for a moment on this very special weekend. In the darkness of this room, we remember the darkness of the hour of Christ on that cross where you extinguished all light because the burden of sin was on Jesus. Lord, we come before you. All of us at one point have found ourselves to be those who are sinful. In our sins, Lord, we want to lay upon the body of Christ. And God, we would rid ourselves of anything that would be a mockery as, as if to go through the motions but have no heart as if to externally appear as though we're looking to Jesus as king. But it's simply 
It's just fraudulent. Father, I pray that all of us in this room, in this opportunity that you have given to each of us to remember the great sacrifice of Jesus, that it's not just an historical event. It's just not an experience that we reflect on, but that for each of us it becomes personal where our sins are forgiven as we appeal to you for your grace and your kindness. And if you're here tonight and you've never begun that relationship with the Holy God through the person of Jesus, I invite you to pray with me now. God in heaven, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that Jesus died for me. And Lord, I ask you to accept me into your holiness, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the ways that we symbolize a relationship with the Holy God is through what we call communion. We have a communion with the Holy God not because of the goodness that we have done, not because of the righteousness of our deeds, We have a communion with the Holy God because Jesus took our sins from us. And so he gives us this opportunity to display physically through the eating of bread as it symbolizes the body of Jesus and the cup as it symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And so it gives us this privilege to say, yes, God, I am in communion with you. I am as holy as you are. That's unimaginable in my mind. I can't see that but that God declares that to be true through the forgiveness of my own sins and for you as well. So I'm going to invite the elements to be passed and to hold each one as they are passed so that we might take them together. And let me give thanks for what God is going to do through this moment as we once again commune with a holy God that loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to be the means by which we could be called righteous sons of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for these elements. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for the symbolic value that that body that was crucified is the means by which we can have this relationship with you now. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus told us that this is his body and to eat this in remembrance of him. The cup is going to be passed and it again has symbolic value. It reflects the fact that the precious blood of Jesus was the means by which we have gained a righteous standing before God. God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. And so he says, I'm going to come and do something about that. Because he knew that I could never accomplish the kind of righteousness he demands, nor could you. So Christ came and took our place on this cross. For six hours he died so that our sins could be completely forgiven. So I'm going to invite the leaders to pass the cup so that we can once again remember the ultimate sacrifice of one man's death in our place for the forgiveness of all of mankind as we come before Christ for that forgiveness. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that this cup is a constant reminder that Jesus died for every person in this room and every person in this world. It's a constant reminder that it was a very costly sacrifice as there was a lot of blood from the praetorium all the way through the cross to the grave. And that God, every drop of that blood was a means by which we can now enter into your holiness. And that God, that was why you came. That alone is why you came. So that we who are sinners can come and receive your righteousness. So with this cup, Lord, we give you thanks that you have accomplished what you sent Jesus to do. And indeed, it is finished because of the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.
to hold this cup, I'm mindful of the fact that I deserve to be on that cross. That was my fate as a sinful person. And then Jesus says, no, Dave, I'm not going to let you hang on that cross. I'm going to hang in your place. And his shed blood became the means by which I could be forgiven. And so he says, I never want you to forget, I never want you to forget the sacrifice of taking your place on that cross. And so for each of us, we remember tonight, especially on this night, of the great gift that Jesus provides for us. And as Jesus reminded us just days before that, in that upper room with his disciples, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my name. Drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, and may we never forget. May we be mindful every day and every moment of the tremendous sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. And we live in the life of the resurrected Christ, who indeed is King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.